This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Historic Souvenirs presents A Cyclist's Intrepid Journeys, adapted to broadcast on Free FM 89.0 from his book Pedal Power. Roy Sinclair and his partner Harlico from Japan experience the final days of their cycle tour that takes them from Land's End in England to deep in the Swiss Alps, camping, youth hostling, and invited to stay with local families along the way. Sleepless nights by firelight The stranger in this town Heard by talking long and singing songs I've laid my loneliness down So long descend with peaceful friends There is no richer wine We'll forever cherish the anticipation of seeing Swiss architecture Chalets or grand hotels come into view from our railways. Carriages take us above the tree line to that magical world of ice crystals in winter and wild flowers in summer. Avoiding the worst of the weather in our small, lightweight tent, we profit from the local advice as to which ways take our cycling over little-used rural roads rather than face suicidal heavy traffic on intercity highways. To enjoying the experience of cycle touring, a measure of tolerance to a degree of discomfort, drenched clothing, headwinds, loss of privacy, punctures and painful muscles, whilst anticipating the occasional treat to dine out, strike up a friendship, sleep to the song of skylarks and awake to misty cries of farm roosters attuned to daylight stabbing. There's a distinctly different experience of cycling depending on whether we're making an early start or delay departure to sleep in and attend to daily chores such as washing and waiting to dry our cycling attire. Clothing which weathers well is key to the comfort of a cyclist on tour. We're reaching the end of a journey invited into the loving environment of the couple whose acquaintance dates back to when their 20,000-kilometre world cycle tour took them to Teanu, where our paths crossed. Our friendship began there amid beauty of New Zealand's southern Alps. We parted, exchanging addresses, intending to keep up contact in the expectation Harlico and I might reach their homeland of Switzerland to take up their invitation. Christian and Monique are known across the tour cycling fraternity through the articles she writes of their travels in Globetrotter magazine and the emotional journey as newly marrieds it represented, their bicycles crossing 15 nations. Their photos are superb, though taken on a simple camera. It catches Monique riding a dirt road on the Tibetan plateau, Tibetan children running at her side, Christian with laughing locals offering help or advice to fixing his puncture, 
and Monique watering a Thai elephant? It's not only bicycle tubes which occasionally need fixing. Our friends say it's a necessity on a cycle tour to mend any friction of feelings, whereas at home time may be spent apart in separate rooms. There's no escaping each other with security relying on being together. The two ways of life are incompatible unless a couple both commit to compromise. All roads lead somewhere, yet it's perhaps human nature to eventually find one that leads home. After luxuriating in the atmosphere of friendship and trust founded on cycling, with the joy of meeting Christian and Monique's young children, who are already familiar with cycle travel since their parents have never owned a car, we say our farewells, hoping we may meet again. Seeing the harmony in their relationship, we aspire to their same sense of peace. My mind harks back to one night while we are cycling within ten kilometres of Italy's border, a town called Drancion in the Alps of eastern France. Harlequin reveals that she'd like us to try another, uh, another mode of travel, emphasising her preference by being a bit obnoxious, perhaps, is Harlequin's way of letting me know at the time she's felt it's time to take her dreams a different direction. However, still feeling a need to pedal on, it left a sense of having unfinished business, almost of cycling somehow getting out of hand. Though Harlequo manages superbly till now, this journey by bike, we begin nearly two months before from Land's End in England, is now well advanced. Civilized cities like Geneva are coming closer. However, Harlequo gathers courage to continue cycling, to my relief. There are no regrets now. I'm hoping my tyres will last the distance. They are specialised Nimbus tyres, but losing their tread after almost 3,000 kilometres. Is it the result of carrying a heavy load while going down so many long, fast ascents in the French Alps? Now, on the last leg of a ride rich in variety, friendship and harmony, once more wet tarmac splatters our bikes in mud. They need a good clean before packing them for the homeward flight. The cloud ceiling is low towards Zurich Airport, absorbing the jet engine's roar as others go their way about the world. We've only 18 kilometres to cycle between Christian and Monique's home and the airport. I recall a mentor in my life a prominent educationalist and railway enthusiast in his time. Gordon was a huge man with personality to match. He takes me under his wing after I fail miserably in the education system. My school certificate French and English marks had been lamentable, urging his students on, especially when the chips are down. He inspires us to show the world what we are made of. He may be gone for many a year now, yet I see him still. His roughly trimmed beard, stern but benevolent expression, willing us not to give up. His is a male role model for me. I think Harlequin is motivated by a similar sentiment, not to give up in the face of adversity, 
but press on in the belief that events can only get better as we go. Fortunately, we both cherish the memories of our cycling so far together. From exploratory tours through the South Island of New Zealand and over the length of the main islands of Harlequo's homeland, Japan. Now, having seen so much of Europe, its attractions, people speaking in many languages, a climate more predictable than New Zealand's, and evidence of civilization way, way older than New Zealand's, all from a bicycle. I too will be going home to familiar surroundings, routines, and neighbors. We're so thankful to have stayed with our friends Christian and Monique and their children to glimpse life of a Swiss family at home. Organized, that's what they are. We're in plenty of time to cycle to Zurich's airport, escorted by Christian to be sure all goes according to plan. I contemplate my feeling of unfinished business. Had I not, in 1990, bought a new rally mountain bike with the idea of making one South Island coast-to-coast journey over my childhood's cherished Arthur's Pass, I might not now be dismantling our bicycles to pack them in bags for our British Airways flight. Christian leads us to the British Airways chicken. On reflection, I ponder the point of what-ifs. If I had simply done a bike trip to fulfill my childhood aspirations to go from one side of the South Island to the other, then sold the bike, it having served its purpose, had I done just that, life, including my marriage, might have taken a more predictable course. But I know I'd have grown older, wallowing in regret at not having been more adventurous. As we work away to fit our bike, pulled apart, and accessories in a bag intended for that purpose, nearby the terminal's entrance is an airport guard in black uniform, looking on, bemused, but he never relaxes his hand that firmly grips a large automatic firearm. We wonder why. In these days of international terrorists, are we suspicious? Do we fit the profile of they who would kill fellow humans to bring glory for an obscure, perverted belief? Or is the guard's watchful gaze nothing more than modest curiosity as to how the bag will enclose so many parts? Ours is by now a well-practiced routine, mingling among strangers of many shades and languages at international airports, us all relating to an arrival or departure of a friend or family or travelling on business, diplomats bearing briefcases, humanity in all its wondrous variety. Once aboard, passengers settle to a quieter mode, muffled by the air conditioning and jet engines winding their turbines up in a crescendo that precedes the takeoff. Yet nothing suppresses the good humour of young Australians on the last leg of our flight to New Zealand, 
They are bound for a snowboarding adventure, escaping the traces that wed them to wearying work and study and mediocrity. As Kiwis from the South Island returning from abroad, we always experience the, the rising excitement once we sight the Southern Alps, that first glimpse of land on the horizon. Our Boeing 767 dips over the west coast towards Arthur's Pass and Waimakariri River, still with their late winter snow, covering in mere minutes what represents hours of tiring cycling for us at ground level. One of the young Australians says what's already in my mind. We've come to a beautiful country. Harlico and I are yearning to be home. Looking down from the air, I see Aotearoa, New Zealand in new light. Familiar, yet in another sense, so new and inviting. It feels all the better for knowing we successfully completed, without mishap, 74 days cycling in Europe. Harlico and I are even seen talking to each other. Always a feeling of anticlimax accompanies actually arriving home as the excitement diminishes. Homecoming will soon be spiked with disappointment, even disillusionment, at what we now face cycling on New Zealand roads, cycling lanes of Christchurch, with young guys in fast cars flinging abuse and sometimes missiles at cyclists. The bottles break, sprinkling glass along the lanes. Our thoughts hark back to Japan, where people shout, Kokori-san, to passing cyclists. Thank you for your trouble. When it should be we who are thanking them. To the Japanese, the thinking is that cyclists do them credit by coming to their country. Similarly, the people of France openly applaud our efforts for venturing on the high coals of their high alps. Looking for light relief reading the press, we instead read of boy racers who terrorise Christchurch streets at night, of New Zealand's crime being at an all-time high, and threatening to get out of control. The government of the time proposes fixing it by returning the legal drinking age to 20 years minimum. When the bill to raise the drinking age is subsequently soundly defeated, the carnage continues. The police announce they'll not continue a road safety partnership with McDonald's in an effort to distance them from any suggestion of commercialism. To me, that smacks of making McDonald's a scapegoat. At the time, the government is announcing the enormous sum being expended on combating obesity, as demonstrated in vastly overweight children. Fast food is defined as the problem. But there's no suggestion the government of the day proposes making the roads safer to curb reckless motorists or encouraging children to cycle to school for their health's sake. Harlico and I return to our respective jobs. 
As I drive the tram along Wester Boulevard in Christchurch, I treasure the satisfaction one gets returning safely home from an adventure. Though there had been close calls, the World Peace Bell that we lobbied for in both Japan and New Zealand is to be unveiled in Botanic Gardens on a very wet October night after a pleasant dinner at the curator's house, hosted by our patron mayor, Gary Moore. The mayor's easy and good-humoured conversation and his excellent choice of wine help raise spirits. Rains still battering the large upstairs window as a crowd of umbrellas gathers to hear the ceremonial gongs. But it's good to get inside again. Guests gathering at the Canterbury Museum. We delight to see the world peace bell begin embracing the city, drawing in other groups who share our aspirations. A day or two later, once the rain stops, the bell looks wonderful in sunlight, dappled as it shines through spring blossom. Harlico gets a cat, her first. We visit the SPCA. Harlico favours a mostly black young cat, that's soon to turn our life at home literally upside down. She names him as Neko-san, Japanese for Mr. Cat. We cast our minds back to some of the scenes that we treasure from cycling in Japan. Out in the sun there, we say our konnichiwas, hellos, to smiling middle-aged women tidying vegetation on the embankments. From high on Satsuma Peninsula, we look over the vast blue Pacific which extends all the way to New Zealand. Far below, we see lush tea plantations. Thinking back to the time we recall on Hokkaido cycling to the most northern train station of Japan, now we come upon a tiny unmanned railway station at Nishioyama, close to the volcano Kemondaki, commanding the view on the horizon. It is Japan Rail's southernmost railway station. We think back also to the time we camped on a beach. The tent ready a time for a stroll along the shore before turning in. And there we saw the pumice strewn along the sand. A modern phenomenon, it is. It's from a vast tide of floating pumice that forms over an erupting underwater volcano and begins to drift to Japan. It threatens blocking shipping, fishing, and the cooling of nuclear power stations with salt water. The pumice already drifted off the coast of Okinawa and now drifts north of Kyushu. All this happened back in 2004. No end of memories. Oh, 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 oh,
of the world, risking, leaving the familiar haunts of home, venturing with his partner far from home, learning by the example of how other people make the most of their time on earth, and as Roy points out, never too late to begin something different. He did, but here the book Pedal Power, written by Roy Sinclair about he and his partner journeying in different nations by bicycle, draws to a close. Only last year Roy died unexpectedly. A wonderful friend lost, but not before leaving these wonderful words to your never-ending curiosity about this world. Rest in peace, Roy. We have enjoyed coming along for the ride. Souvenir. 
Come next week, we begin another reading, another book.
This program, Historic Souvenirs, comes by courtesy of Free FM 89.0, proudly supported by New Zealand On Air. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.